Hi, my name is Jessamy Baganol. I'm Senior Medical Editor at The Lancet and I'm here speaking to Professor Claire Rickard who's a Professor of Nursing at Griffiths University in Australia and we're going to be talking about her SAVE trial which looks at different securement dressings for peripheral cannula which is something that we all have a huge amount of experience with because almost all of our patients have it at one time or another. Um, so it's a really interesting trial and a, and a useful trial for the basic sort of jobbing clinician. Um, so Claire, maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, the background to the trial. Yeah, thanks, Jessamy. The trial really came out of another Lancet published trial, actually, where we had looked at different removal strategies of cannulas. And we found sort of almost as a surprise finding, I suppose, in that trial that we had very high uh, rates of peripheral catheter failure. And so we then started, uh, you know, trying to think what we could do to reduce those um, cases of failure. And I guess really the idea came from our research nurses in that earlier trial who um, told us about the consistently poor state of the dressings when they went around to um, collect data for that earlier trial. So that really got us interested in, um, you know, looking at the evidence to date at that stage and then thinking what we could do to maybe, um, you know, move the science a bit further ahead. My own experience is, is that, you know, you move from different hospitals and they all use a different type of dressing. And I think this trial used four different types of dressings. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we looked at the standard, you know, see-through uh, polyurethane dressings as a control group, uh, but we were aware that even within our own hospitals, if you walked around a, a ward at any time, you'd, you know, likely see about seven different dressings in place that they'd found in the in the various cupboards and so on. So um, we tested those plain non-boarded dressings with the um, newer boarded dressings, so still the polyurethane in the central component, but with extra reinforced tape around the outside. Of course, theoretically, that should uh, should have reduced the failure because it had better adhesion to the skin. We also test the basic see-through dressings when used in conjunction with a securement device, so a separate adhesive device applied in addition to the dressing. And lastly, we tried something which was fairly new, but we had had some uh, luck with in previous trials. We'd seen some benefit, which was the use of um, cyanoacrylate tissue adhesive applied um, just a very small amount just at the insertion site and under the hub of the cannula and then with the transparent dressing placed over the top of that. So, yeah, that's how we um, came to the four groups. So three intervention and one control. And why did you choose those ones, given that there are, I mean, I don't know how many different dressings and securement devices there are out there, but there's a lot, um, you know, in all different hospitals. I don't know what they sort of do it on relationships or cost or, or something, but so, so what was the kind of rationale about using those particular ones? Yeah, well, we had done some work with worldwide surveys of other hospitals, so we knew that the boarded transparent dressings seemed to be taking um, greater market share compared to the plain uh, polyurethane dressings and we'd also seen the securement devices starting to come uh, you know into our hospitals and into other hospitals and then as I say the tissue adhesive was something a little bit more unusual but we had tested it ourselves in pilot studies and, and seen some benefits. Cost was was a sort of is a major issue because these things cost such a sort of varying amount from almost nothing to really quite expensive. 
and and in your study you kind of did a cost sort of effectiveness looked at sort of the, what the savings would be so what were the sort of main findings we found uh, no difference in the effectiveness of the products so of course that flowed onto the cost and the control group which is the cheapest just a plain transparent dressing really because it performed no um, better or worse than the more expensive products, we came to the um, you know, conclusion that at the moment, you know, price really is probably the only determinant to use when selecting a dressing, which is kind of the opposite of what we thought and what certainly probably many hospitals uh, are asked to consider, that a more expensive product should um, improve patient outcomes. And the primary outcome was peripheral cannular failure rate. And is that kind of a standard primary outcome for all of these trials or is it something that you'd kind of combined? Or Yeah, we, we do find it used more in peripheral catheter trials um, in particular, also central catheter trials. And it's really just looking at was there any complication that made that cannula no longer able to be used and and had to interrupt therapy, remove it, and often replace it. Uh, we also find there's a lot of sort of overlap between, you know, what people say is the cannula tissued or the cannula, um, you know, had phlebitis. These are, of course, not very, you know, tight definitions usually. So for those reasons, we usually clump together any um, complication that makes the cannula fail or stop working um, under cannula failure but um, of course we do break it down also in the paper in terms of dislodgement and occlusion and bloodstream infections and so on which are of course very rare but you know very important to monitor. Sure and what about the sort of secondary outcomes how did patients feel about these different securement dressings? Yeah we did ask the patients as well as the nurses who had to remove the products because we thought that was something that um, is often missed and, and shouldn't be. Patients generally seem to be satisfied equally with all of the products and similarly with the nurses removal there was um, a, a little bit uh, of preference there that probably came into familiarity with the product sometimes but uh, yeah on the whole we couldn't see any strong reason in terms of patient experience or um, nursing feedback or even skin adverse events to suggest that any of the products could be said to be superior to any of the others. Sure and I mean I guess you know one of the problems with these kind of studies where it's a sort of high quantity low cost intervention that we all use is that we all kind of use them differently I mean my own experience is that you kind of wrap a little bit of extra tape round here and there and all the rest of it. You know, how did you kind of try and account for those things or or is this more sort of pragmatic look at, at how we use these cannula and these securement dressings? Yeah, well, we, we did provide training, of course, to the um, practitioners applying them so that they had some level of um, you know expertise in it. But we also consciously made this a pragmatic trial because we know that if a product is going to work, it's going to have to work amongst, you know, the many, many uh, nurses and doctors who will be touching that cannula. And um, as you say, it's very common for um, people to add all sorts of tape and bandages and things on top of <laughs> the primary dressing especially yeah. you know during the night and weekends yeah. And yeah yeah so we did monitor that though and we found that about two-thirds of patients in all groups did have additional securement products added at some point during the dwell of the cannula 
Um, so we did do a per protocol analysis to try and um, see if that had made any um, impact on the function between the groups and, and didn't see that that had any strong effect. I mean, I do think these, this type of research is so interesting because we're so advanced in so many ways. You know, we're able to sort of deliver stem cells here and there, but we don't actually have a sort of standardised or, or know the best way to deliver, you know, basic fluids. And what, what's your sort of view on where we should be heading with this? Yeah, well, I think the investment in the sort of day-to-day -day health services research, you know, can't be forgotten amongst the excitement of developing new drug therapies and so on, because exactly as you say, no point having a new stem cell treatment or what have you if it can't actually be delivered because the cannula's fallen out or it's blocked or the patient doesn't have any peripheral veins left because they've had a series of devices over a week or two. Um, so I think, you know, a, a little bit less focus sometimes on, um, you know, investing in the new and exciting and a little bit um, uh, tougher look at maybe some of our day-to-day -day practices that might not seem so, um, you know, thrilling to start with. But um, I think to patients, these things really do matter. Um, any Anyone who's been in hospital and needed a peripheral line certainly does think that that's a, a high-tech intervention, even if uh, for those of us that hang around hospitals all the time, maybe just take them a bit uh, for granted. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the, the authors of the comment, which is a really interesting comment that's linked to your article, kind of raised this issue of, you know, the other types of sort of very high quantity things that we use that we have very little knowledge about, like, you know, surgical dressings, slings, you know, all of these things that we use so regularly, but we actually have very little evidence base for them. Yeah, and the cost of these really does add up, of course, because our major hospitals would have about 200,000 peripheral cannulas they buy every year. So, you know, um, if, you, if you're saving up to $15 a patient or something, which we've seen on, um, on our cost uh, assessment, then, you know, that's obviously adding up to a lot of money that could be redirected elsewhere. And if that's happening with peripheral IVs, it's probably happening with wound drains and urine catheters. Exactly. And I mean, you know, in these sort of times where resources are so scarce, we really need to have a real focus on this sort of research. Do you have sort of plans for the future of what you're what you're looking into next? Because this is obviously your kind of area of interest. Yeah, and I think with uh, failure rates at 41% in this Which study, is shocking. We've got a shocking, you know, clear motivation to keep... Uh, looking at improvements, uh, as far as dressing and securement, we're kind of going down two angles. One is testing sort of even newer generation securement dressings that um, have shown, again, potential promise in recent small trials we've conducted. But then we're also going down the sort of low-cost bundled approach as well because we do think from uh, some of the observational work we've published in other studies that adding all of these extra tapes and bandages and you know, adhesive tubing and so on. Um, actually, we think probably that the nurses intuitively have known that that is needed and that it does reduce failure. So we're actually um, going to sort of look at the high cost better dressings as well as the low cost bundled kind of intervention, um, which again, hopefully is give something that people can use around the world regardless of 
you know, the health system they're working in and how yeah. well-resourced it is. Yeah, it's really important and um, so useful clinicians, really, and, and so important for patients who, you know, one of their, often their major complaints is about these peripheral cannula and whether they've been painful or they've failed and they have to have another one and blah, blah, blah. Yes, uh, I mean, we frequently ring patients after they get home from hospital and they may have had a major gut resection or some, you know, major orthopaedic trauma and we ask them, you know, how was your hospital stay? And they'll say the worst thing was getting that IV line put in. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, once they're in, obviously we want to keep the devices in and we want to keep them working. So uh, I think in the... 21st century that shouldn't be too hard but um, <laughs> unfortunately we all need to have a good hard look at ourselves and admit that we actually still don't really know how to best look after these devices um, and that's that's what they are they're medical devices as well as um, dressings are actually you know classed as a medical device so uh, sometimes we need to think a bit less of the exciting implantable devices and a little bit more about these sort of temporary low-cost devices as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Great. Thanks to Professor Claire Rickard from Griffith University. It was really interesting talking to you and thanks for you for listening.